Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Join me in uh, Philippians chapter number four, please. Familiar passage of scripture, I know. For many of us, we'll probably have some of it committed to our memory. Philippians chapter number four. We're going to take a look at the first nine verses in our Bible study this evening. And uh, trust to be a blessing to you. If we look at the first nine verses, uh, what you find is a, a divine conclusion. Let, let's, let's read it together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, my, beloved, uh, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true, uh, entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are, are, are in the book of life. I'm in verse 4 now. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord's at hand. Be careful for nothing. Here's the famous verses of scripture, right? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good rapport, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace, the God of peace shall be with you. What I said a moment ago is this, when Paul shares this with this church, what he's giving to them, what he's sharing with them is a divine conclusion. And, and here's the conclusion. Here, here it is in a nutshell. You may want to jot this down. What we do depends on what we believe. You agree with that? What we do depends on what we believe, or at least that's the way it should be. Our beliefs should influence and even dictate our behavior as Christians. So this is a divine, a, a, a divine conclusion. What we do <clears throat> depends on what we believe. And that's the way it ought to be. What's on the inside will show up on the outside sooner or later. Right? Let me take a turn just for a second. When I, when I was growing up, I was an absolute sports freak. I'm not a fan. I mean, I was a freak. I mean, I lived for sports growing up. And and pretty much played uh, almost all of them except for soccer. Because when I was a kid, soccer wasn't a big deal around here. It's a big deal now, isn't it? 
But I played, I played almost every sport, and several of them I played in an organized way, meaning <clears throat> I was on a team of some sort, you know. <clears throat> and one of the things I remember from my, my youngest days of playing, you know, Sandlot baseball and then Little League football and so on, and basketball, played CYO, which is the Catholic youth organization. I was a Catholic growing up. And, uh, but what I remember from my, my youngest days was this statement. Here it is, keep your eye on the ball. You ever play sports? Keep your eye on the ball. You know, and after being, after playing all those sports, it really is true. It's important to keep your eye on the ball, you know. But the way they would, the way they would coach it or the implication that they were trying to make made it seem as if all you needed to do to succeed was keep your eye on the ball, you know? Now I don't play organized sports any longer, play golf, you know? And I know it's important to keep your eye on the ball, even when you're playing the golf. Sometimes I'll say to guys I'm playing with, hey, just keep your head down. You know, keep your head down, keep your eye on the ball. And so, uh, but, you know, growing up, it was almost as if, you know, if you just keep your eye on the ball, you will be a success. However, there's more to it than that, isn't there? Let's take baseball, for example. Nothing to do with last night. Right? If you play baseball, it's important to keep your eye on the ball. But if you're batting, you need to hit the ball. Right? Uh, and then you need, to, you, need to, you need to run to the base. Right? If you're fielding, you need to catch the ball. So it's more than just keeping your eye on the ball. It's knowing what to do with the ball, so to speak. Correct? Well, in the Christian life, we're encouraged to keep our eye on the Lord. Isn't that right? Huh? How many times has somebody in some way, maybe not those exact words, but in some way has encouraged you to just trust the Lord? Just look to Jesus. Just keep your eye on the Lord. And they almost make it seem as if, now pay attention right here, that's all to it. If you just keep your eye on the Lord, everything, I mean everything, will just fall into place. <laughs> right? Have you, have you know the intimation there, right? If you just keep your eye on the Lord, if you just look to Jesus, you know, if you just trust Him, everything will just fall into place. But the fact of the matter is this, there's more to it than that. Isn't that right? There's more to it than that. That's the starting point, you know, developing a relationship with the Lord, because keep your eye on the Lord has, there's so many connotations to that. It's trusting God, having faith in God, knowing God, having a good relationship with the Lord. It's just more than just looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where it begins, correct? That's not where it ends, you know? And that's what Paul addresses here in this text of Scripture. In the first nine verses, he, I'm not sure if you've seen it, we're going to go back and highlight it, but there were six different topics that he addresses. Uh, I, would call them, I would call them directives on how to maintain the Christian life. Six different directives on how to maintain our Christian life, how to keep our eye on the Lord so that everything will one day fall into place. And it will. Um, I, I, I want you to remember this. Um, what we believe determines how we behave. The so Solomon, the wise man, said it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
correct? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So look, look at some of these statements. I put, them on, I put them on the board for you. Now look at verse number one again. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for. You know, it was said that the church in Philippi had a real, real soft spot in Paul's heart. He had a soft spot in his heart for this church. For some reason, they just really got along well, and he really loves this church. But here in verse number one, the directive is to stand fast in the Lord. Stand firm. Right? So if you and I, I mean, if you and I are going to maintain our Christian life, one of the things that we're going to have to do sooner or later is take a stand. We're going to take a stand. Are you with me? You're going to have to stand up for something, stand against something, you're going to have to say yes to something, no to something. You're going to have to pull away from somewhere down the line. You're going to have to take a stand. And that's why Paul says to the church here, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. It's not easy to take a stand, is it? It's not easy to stand up for Jesus, you know, and, and, and it doesn't get easier with age. It doesn't get easier with repetition, you know, it just takes deep character and an understanding that this is the right thing to do, right? And we do it, correct? Uh, not only that, look at verse number two. He says, I beseech. That word means what? I'm almost begging, he says. These two sisters, these are two sisters, not sisters, they're sisters in the Lord, right? They're not related by blood. They're related by the blood of Jesus. And he says, I beseech Judas and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord, so you know what he's saying here? Look here. He says, settle your differences. You need to settle your differences. Help me here. Right? Paul's saying this in verse, number, in verse number two. There's two sisters in the church that, man, I tell you what, they're going at it. And they, need just, they just need to get it right. You know? And I think that's important counsel, don't you think? He adds to it, verse three. Look what he says. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those sisters which labor with me in the gospel. So every once in a while, when you know that there's some, some ought going on so that, so that it doesn't hurt the church, we need to maybe try and go and help that cause and get it straightened out. And so, you know, stand firm, settle your differences. And then in verse number four, here's another directive. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And so he said, start rejoicing. Start rejoicing. Did you ever listen to yourself? Huh? You know you talk to yourself, right? How many of us talk to ourselves out loud? Huh? I don't. I talk to myself, but usually not out loud. The problem they say is the problem is when you answer yourself. That's when you get into trouble. But when you listen to yourself, when you listen to yourself, let me ask you a question. When you listen to yourself, what's, what's coming out of your mouth most of the time? Is it praises? Are you rejoicing? Or is it complaints? Is it murmuring? You'd be surprised if you just take the time to listen every once in a while as to what's coming out of your mouth. Paul says that we ought to rejoice in the Lord. We ought to start to rejoice. And then, and then in verse number five, here's another directive. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord's at hand. And so he says, surrender the self-life. We're going to talk about this in just a little bit. Surrender the self-life. And then in verse number six and seven, he says this. You ought to substitute prayer for worry. You ought to substitute prayer for worry. Right? Instead of worrying, you ought to pray. And then Finally, in verses 8 and 9, he says, you ought to saturate your mind. You ought to saturate your mind. Here's what I want to do tonight. I want to take a look at the last three. Surrender the self-life, substitute prayer for worry, and saturate your mind. And just take a little bit of time, just a few minutes, and kind of walk down the, 
down the, 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 uh, the, the verse here, uh, in verse number five. Look what he says here. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I like that. Notice that word moderation, if you would, in verse number five. The word moderation in verse number five implies the idea of self-control. So what he's saying basically is this, we need, to work, we need to work on surrendering our life into the Lord so that we get, we get a better control of things in our lives. Surrender the self-life. He's speaking about, in this text, how we deal with others. And what he's saying is this, we ought to have a gentle spirit and a fair mind. A gentle spirit and a fair mind. And I think, Paul, what he's trying to hint, hint to is this, people ought to believe that we care about them. Right? You know that old saying, you know, people, people really, all they really want to know is that you care. And if you can, if you can prove to them you care about them, man, you've just, you just, you get some leverage in their lives. You'd be amazed at, of, of what you can say and what you can do to help them. And you know, this quality is most necessary when you get around some people that drive you crazy. Do you ever get around some people that just drive you crazy? Huh? I mean, they know how to push your buttons. You know, you're ready to blow your top. I mean, you're just ready to come unglued, you know. And Paul says here, let your moderation be known that the Lord's at hand. How do I, how do I keep my, myself composed? How do I keep my mouth closed? The Lord's at hand. You're mindful, right, that you're in the very presence of the Lord. And I think that's important. We need to ask the Lord for his help. Now, go, go just a couple of pages toward the back of the Bible, book of Colossians, chapter number 3. Chapter number three, look what he says here in Colossians 3 and verse number one. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sit, sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Look at verse three, for ye are what? For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I like this, verse four. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. In other words, what Paul's saying is this, we need to learn how to practice living a surrendered life, right? You just be a dead person, you know, every single day, just wake up, have a funeral for yourself, and just declare yourself a dead man, so that way you don't get to have your way. You know, the self-life is surrendered to the Lord. I think that's important. I think that's what Paul is trying to hint to here. The Lord is at hand, right? But then he talks about this in verses 6 and 7, and these are important verses of Scripture. Go back to Philippians 4, if you would. How many of you have verse 6 and 7 kind of committed to memory? Anybody? In a great passage of Scripture? Huh? Oftentimes when I'm counseling with folks who are really going through uh, some real difficulties and having some mental stresses, I encourage them to memorize this passage of Scripture. And then when they're really feeling overwhelmed by life, just kind of quote it to yourself, you know, and chant it to yourself over and over if you have to. You know, and it really does help. The Word of God has a way of just cleansing your mind and refocusing your attention. But look what he says here in this text. He's talking about substituting prayer for worry. See that? Substituting prayer for worry. And, uh, and look, at, look at verse 6 again with me. I want to take a moment and just address a few things here. He says in verse number 6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. I thought I had that verse up there, but I uh, probably skipped out somehow. Uh, let, me, let me just comment on, on what he's saying here in this text of Scripture. And he's giving really good advice. He's saying you ought, you ought to make a trade. You ought to swap and, and take the same energy you use for worrying 
and instead pray. And I remember reading this one time. I did, there was a little research done about the energy spent on worrying. And here, here's what the research yielded, the following results. They said this, uh, uh, most of the time we worry about th- uh, things that never, 40% of the time, things never happen. So when we're worrying, most of the time, 40% of what we're worrying about never happens. Did you ever, did you ever see that true in your life? Did you ever worry about something just never worries? I mean, it just never happens. Uh, there's a, that, I shared this Chinese proverb the other day on, from, the, from the pulpit. He that anticipates calamity suffers it twice. That's a great truth, isn't it? I remind myself of that all the time. You know, he that anticipates calamity suffers it twice. 40% of what we worry about never happens. 30% of what we worry about is, is it's concerning the past. It's already happened. And there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, 12% of what we worry about is needless worries. Just needless, right? I mean, it's not even worth thinking about, let alone worrying about it. 10% mm, uh, about petty issues. Only 8% are legitimate concerns. Now, I don't know who took this survey, but it's research, you know? And and here's here's the conclusion. That means that 92% of your worry time is wasted energy. I mean, if those statistics are anywhere in the ballpark, 92% of what we worry about is just wasted energy. Instead, Paul says, we ought, to, we ought to pray. And not just pray, but in this text of Scripture, he gives us three pieces of good advice. This is good advice for warriors like me. You a warrior? Here's what he says. First of all, pray about everything. Look at verse 6. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Pray about everything. Is there anything, look up here for a second, is there anything that we can't pray about? I remember one time I was going to Pennsylvania Hospital to visit with somebody, and I had somebody in the car with me, a man from, from our church, and he was new at visitation, all that kind of stuff. And so as we got down around 8th and Spruce where the hospital was, I began to pray, God, would you please just give me a parking spot? And he looked at me, and here's what he said, can we pray for that? Can you pray for a parking spot? Yeah, sure can. I had to go around the block a couple times, but there was a spot. Huh? Pray about everything, everything. And you know, when I pray, here's what I, here's what I believe. When I pray, when I pray for you or for a situation, here's what I believe. I believe God knows, he knows the depth of the need. And he has the resources to meet that need, Right? And I believe this. I'm a firm believer in this. What touches me touches him, and what I care about, he cares about. And so in the, every morning of my life, I promise you, every morning of my life, I spend time with God. In the very first portion of it, I usually give it over to my family, and I pray for my family, and I go through that whole situation. And I always close that segment by saying, God, I know that you care greatly about the people that I care greatly about. You know? And thank you for loving them, you know, uh, the way they need to be loved. I believe that, right? And so he says in this text, Paul says this, instead of worrying, we ought to pray about everything, in everything by prayer and supplication. And then notice he adds this, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Huh? You ever, do you ever really just take the time to count your blessings? I know we sing the song, right? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But doesn't it really surprise us? I mean, man alive, how blessed we are. 
And you know, it really does change things. You know, you're having a bad day, you're going through a mental, you know, situation and you're just, you know, overwhelmed. You take the time to pray and begin to count your blessings. Thanksgiving, it really does have the, the ability to just change your thinking. That's what Paul's saying in this text. And then he says, pray with expectation, because listen to this last part here. Let your requests be made known unto the preacher. <laughs> no, unto God, right? We ought, we ought, to, be, we ought to be just satisfied and, and just at, at rest to know that God knows. God knows, right? I have a list of people I pray for every morning and members of our church and, and outsiders. And, I, and here's what I pray. God, would you just let your presence speak? Wherever your presence is, there's peace. And what these people need right now is peace. Peace of mind, peace in their life, peace in their relationships. They need peace. They need your presence. And so God, would you please let your presence be made known to them today? Are you with me? <laughs> And here's what Paul says in this text of Scripture. When, when you take your burdens to the Lord, he replaces your worries with something greater. What's he replacing with? Look at verse number 7. He says, he says in verse number 7 this, And the peace of God, which passes, transcends all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Uh, the peace of God becomes a guard around your heart and mind. Kind of like an, you know, he's kind of giving figurative speech here of kind of like a, a soldier, you know, guarding, you know, an ancient city, a fortified city. The peace of God becomes a guard around your mind, around your heart. Boy, that's powerful. Thank the Lord for that. And then, and then finally we see this. He says, saturate your mind. Saturate your mind. Verse number eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things. And he gives us that list about things that are true and honest and just, and pure, and lovely, things of a good rapport, things that are virtuous, praiseworthy. What does he say? Think on these things. Think on these things. Are you with me, church? Yeah, replace, you know, your thought processes. You know, if you're going to keep your eye on the Lord, you know, these directives are important. You'll need, you'll need to saturate your mind. And I like what he says here. This, this text of Scripture basically is talking about, it's in the continual sense or tense. You know, they said this, and I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how true this is, but maybe for me it is, that there's, the average person has about 10,000 separate thoughts a day. Do you know your mind never stops? Your mind has been created just, it just one thing after the other. You realize that? Your mind go like that? You have a hard time shutting it down at night when you go to sleep? Anybody like that? If you're not, I'll trade you for a couple of nights. <laughs> well, I can't flip the switch sometimes. It just won't go, it just won't shut down, you know. They say 10,000 thoughts a day run through your mind. It's amazing, isn't it? Wow, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I think the principle behind these words here is this. Sin always begins in the mind and so does holiness. Everything begins in the mind. And the command here in the present tense is just keep on keep on thinking. And so what he says is this, find what's true and think about it. Find what's lovely and think about it. Find what's just and think about it. Just in the continual tense, you see it? Just keep doing it. Keep thinking about it. Let it saturate your mind. And, and the result, look at verse number nine, the result. 
He says this, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and what? The God of peace shall be with you. Right? And so in verse 7, you know, the peace of God will be with you, and now the God of peace shall be with you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? What a benefit. We get the peace of God and the God of peace all at the same time when we want, when we just do what we're supposed to do. I like that. I need that. And I'm sure you do as well. And so what Paul is saying here is simply this. We have the power to change the way we think. We have the power to change the way we live and behave. And I think the motivation here, my, my exhortation is simple. Just keep your eye on the Lord. Think about Him. Rest in Him. Live for Him. And I'll tell you what will happen. He'll begin to reign in your heart. And when He reigns in your heart, you'll be able to fulfill this list of, of directives. You'll be able to stand firm, settle your differences, start to rejoice, surrender the self-life, substitute prayer for worry, and saturate your mind. That's what we need as Christians. We live in a difficult time, right? Difficult world. Everywhere we turn, it's something else. Getting hit here, getting hit there. You know, we need to make sure we fortify ourselves, feed ourselves, and encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, how does this happen? Well, it's not easy, but the Lord begins to transform our life. As we hold on to Him, He begins to pull us up out of the, the muck and miry clay of life. He sets our feet upon a firm foundation. He pulls you up out of bitterness and, and resentment and all those other yucky things that get in the way in life you know, and, and he helps us to live for him. So the encouragement is this, lay hold uh, of Jesus by faith, walk with him by faith, live for him, learn of him, hold on to him, don't let him go. The bottom line is, if you'll do that, your life will be blessed. Amen? And that's exactly what we want. I like that eyeball. I took a selfie. Keep your eye on the Lord. Good counsel, isn't it? Let's try to do that this week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be together on this Wednesday night. We thank you for the opportunity to pray, study scripture, just to be with another fellow believer, be encouraged, pat on the back, a warm embrace, a handshake, a kind word. Lord, it just, it just goes a long way. Thank you for the midweek service. I pray that you gave us what we need just to, just to go out and live the rest of this week for you. Hedge the campus as we dismiss children, teenagers, people coming from all different directions. Give us safety. Pray you'll be with those that are in hospitals tonight and rehabs tonight. Afflicted bodies, be with them, encourage them, lift their spirits. Give us a great night, good end of the week, great weekend as we have fall festival and friend day. We pray in Jesus' name and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.